They're threatening to move me. Um, the video we're going to show Wednesday night is really an incredible video. It's a man named Robert Morris. You might have heard from him. But he's, uh, he was at MFI, a special guest speaker at our conference in October, and he was incredible. And this was one of those videos that we captured because there is such a powerful message that he's going to talk about in, in giving. And uh, I got a couple of scriptures just on that. In Acts 20:35, Paul quotes Jesus, who said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And I also want to read what Paul said in uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 7 through 10. So let each give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. And even as you gave your tithes and offerings this morning, you know, you're giving out seed that God is going to multiply and give back to you because he knows you have needs, but he wants us to get into that place where we realize uh, where we can just relax in our giving and find new ways to give and uh, maybe even stretch ourselves in giving because God wants to show you he has an incredible ability to pour back through you in awesome ways. I, they're going to remove my stuff. We're overruling you. <laughs> okay. I will be away. It seems like in these times, um, th often different people deal with different heaviness, you know, oppression, discouragement, you know, again, just the things that are going on in our society, our economy, jobs, at work, They're, you're constantly bom being bombarded. And so your perspective in life, your attitude, you know, you could feel just like the weight of what you constantly face, maybe problems, relational problems financial problems and burdens and you know all these begin to just wear on us and they affect our joy they affect our ability to draw on God and to believe that he's a good God and to believe that he cares for us and Ezekiel kind of prophesied this about Jesus and so I want to read this this is Ezekiel 34 verses 15 and 16 of the Amplified and I really believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak this over you today you know, Jesus is referred to as a shepherd, as a pastor, one who, you know, gently brings us in. And just like we took communion in, it kind of reestablishes our faith in Jesus Christ and our connection with him. He, he wants to bring a peace over us, and he wants us to be assured about whatever we're facing and whatever we're dealing with that would steal our joy or affect our peace, that you can settle, settle down and get a vision for 
someone who's working in a greater way for you. Jesus would say to you today, I will feed my sheep and I will cause them to lie down, says the Lord. I will seek that which was lost and bring back that which was strayed. And I will bandage the hurt and the crippled and will strengthen the weak and the sick. That's an incredible promise to us. You know, that wherever we're at, maybe we're feeling rejected or maybe we're feeling like a little disappointed today for what God maybe uh, hasn't done or maybe allowed to happen or however, you know, our mind thinks because we are just so limited in our perspective uh, because of our everyday life and what God is really doing. God wants to assure us that, that he is there for us. And however you're feeling right now, God wants to just comfort you. Lord, we just come to you right now. And again, Lord, our, our hearts are open. Lord, we've com taken communion. And Lord, we want to have that intimacy with you. And we want to believe, Lord, that you're our shepherd. And you want to care over us. And you want to move us past those things that steal our joy, cause us to be limited or uh, feel like we're in unbelief. And I'm asking for each person right where they're at that you would lift burdens right now that you would lift discouragement and heaviness. God, you would even lift the effects of our personalities. Lord, some of us are, are very feeling-oriented, and Lord, we can't relax unless everything is somewhat perfect or, or we have a handle on it. And, and Lord, you know the way life is. It gets harder and harder to have those moments. And I just pray, because you know who we are, I pray for the grace of God for the moment, for today, to settle upon each one of us. And I pray for the, just the infilling and the inpouring of your Holy Spirit because you love us so much. God, I ask it in Jesus' name. Um, there's another uh, couple of things I, I wanted to, to say today. In Luke 5.17, you know, Jesus was teaching, and it says, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And it's so awesome that, you know, in this place where we gather today, you know, the power of the Lord is present to minister healing to you in whatever way you need it. And without striving or begging, just kind of be open as you're sitting listening today, as you're just open to what the Holy Spirit's going to say to you and let God's healing happen for you. Let God's healing restore you. I just want to say something else to you about life. In John 6, 63, Jesus said, The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. And I, I know in this process where we're trying to grow spiritually, we're trying to take the Word of God in. You know, we're trying to be obedient followers of Christ and grow in becoming that disciple that the Lord is developing and making us into. We're so affected, again, by what is said. If you watch TV, uh, I watched the doctors just a few weeks ago, just to watch a few minutes, and they were talking about this new rice, this new black rice that you should eat. And they were telling this lady she needs to eat like at least once a day, four ounces. And I'm thinking like, if every show you added up everything they told you to eat every t every day, you'd be eating probably a couple hundred pounds of food. You know, there's so many things coming at us. Do this, and you're going to be all right. Do that and you're going to be okay. Uh, if you eat this way, you're going to be okay. And I know there's a balance of, of what we do. But I have to say, 
that this verse is so important. Jesus said, the spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. It is the activity of the Holy Spirit that's in our life that affects our mind, our will, and our emotions. And it also affects our physical body. It is miraculous when the Bible says to pray over what you eat because everything you eat is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. And I'm not telling you now, just go ahead and go eat everything bad that you want, but I know it's a real struggle in eating. And you know, I've been telling you my struggles the last few months of going to my doctor every few months and he's telling me, you know, your cholesterol, you're right at that place. If you don't get your cholesterol down, you're going to go over the top. And, you know, in October I went, I was down a little bit in six years from my, what my weight had been. And he said, you got to, I wanted to put you on medicine, but I see your cholesterol's down a little bit. So I'm going to hold off putting you on cholesterol medicine, but, you know, you got to keep working on it. Well, I had an appointment this week and I thought it was Thursday and it ended up being Wednesday. But anyway, last Sunday we're driving away from church and Dory tells me, you're in trouble. You have not been eating like right. You, the doctor's going to, you're going to get hammered this week. And I was like, oh, you're right. You're right. You know, I've had, we just came through the Christmas and Thanksgiving season. I'm thinking like, what's going to happen to me? God, you know, I do good. I struggle. I go back and forth. I back and forth. And I said, God, you give me grace. And I'm not saying I want to take advantage of your grace, but God, this is where I'm at. You know, I felt Monday, I felt when I walked, or Tuesday when I walked out to my car, I felt my truck, I felt like God just gave me an awareness of his presence, that who is living inside of me. And so I'm praying, and then, you know, someone asked me on Tuesday, come on, let's go get a cup of coffee. I go, okay, I can do that. I'll have a cup of decaf. And then they go, come on, get a donut. So I get a donut. <laughs> and then um, I realized, then Dory, when I got home, Dory says, do you know your doctor called and you're supposed to fast tonight and for your appointment? I go, man, I thought that was Thursday. So here it is. I have a donut in my system, and the next day I'm going to go to the doctor. And so I go in there, and I've gained a little weight since October. So I'm thinking, oh, the hammer is going to come down on me. You know, God, this is an area I really need your grace. God, help me to keep changing. Help me, you know, to do my part. And he checks me out, does my blood test, looks over at the blood test and everything. He goes, you know what? You're really doing good. And he goes, you just made it through Thanksgiving and Christmas. And, and your cholesterol is, is like, it's still low. And I'm thinking, oh, my. Oh, my. And I'm just saying that to say this, you know, I've been really trying to follow the Lord. I've been trying to be a disciple of the Lord for a long time. And I see that the Holy Spirit does make a difference in our life. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're feeling, we have to depend on who is in us. You know, and I just kind of want to focus a little bit today as I'm talking again about that becoming a disciple and still on this topic about the Holy Spirit. We are so unaware of who's living inside of us. We are so clueless. Our self is so strong that we often forget who is now living inside of us. In Romans 8, 6, the Apostle Paul wrote, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit of life is life and peace. And I was thinking today, you know, I was thinking this week as I was facing going to the doctor, God, I need your grace. I need your peace. I, I know my limitations. I know my weaknesses. You know, I need your, your help. But God, I need your grace. And so our mind is affected by what we do, but what we don't do, by what people tell us, by what the media tells us, by what um, our president tells us. We are constantly being bombarded by these news and information. And our mind can be in turmoil and distress and be grieved, but 
who is trying to rebuff our, our thinking? Who's trying to, to wash away some of the negative and oppressive thoughts and the negative thoughts and the thoughts that, that kind of degenerate down? It is the Holy Spirit in us. Again, he wants to take the word that, you know, that little time you take every day in your quiet time with God in your prayer. He wants to take the word of God and uh, make it active. Now, what you read today may not necessarily be what the Holy Spirit will activate because what maybe what you've been reading over the last couple of years, it's in there and the Holy Spirit's going to activate it. Or because the Holy Spirit, you've been feeding on the word and you've been feeding on prayer, the Holy Spirit will give you a grace. What is it going to do? It's going to affect my mindset. It's going to affect the way I'm thinking and being down on myself. We have a helper. He is the Holy Spirit, and he's residing inside of us. Kind of going back to becoming a disciple and making disciples. Um, Matthew 10, 38 and 39, Jesus said, And he who does not take up his cross and follow me, cleaves steadfastly to me, conforming wholly to my example in living and if need be in dying, also is not worthy of me. And that can be feeling a little bit negative, but, you know, he was speaking this to the disciples, and he's speaking to all of us who are going to decide we're going to follow Jesus and keep deciding every day to pick up our cross and follow him and become that disciple or let God continue that process. But the apostles, they that need be, if need be, that was for them. They were going to die for their faith. They literally were going to have to die physically for following Jesus. I'd have to say probably most of us in the room will not have to die because of our faith in Christ. You know? But the depth he's asking us to do, the choices he's asking us to do is to surrender our will to him and make those choices to deny ourselves in those places where when we deny ourselves, we're going to serve God with our life and we're going to be obedient to him. And that grace of God's going to come just like it came to those those apostles when they had to die. Even the story about Peter, if you read like uh, Fox's, uh, um, the Jesus Culture book about the martyrs, you know, it says that Peter was, was when it came time for him to die, you know, and, and Jesus told him he was going to be crucified. But when it came time, uh, the, the authors who kind of followed his story said that Peter was going, was boogieing on his way and he had a vision of Jesus come to him and and Jesus turned around, and Jesus was walking back into the city, and he, he took it like Jesus was saying, I'm going to go die on the cross because it's your time. And so he took it like, okay, it's my time. And so he went back into the city, and he was crucified upside down. And Peter didn't have grace to die that physical death until it was time. And so each one of us, as we pick up our cross and follow Jesus, at the moment we are dying to ourselves, there is a grace of God on us to be obedient to what God's asking us to do. Verse 39, whoever finds his lower life will lose it. You know, we've had a number of stories in the Bible of people who like said, no, I don't think I want to do that, Jesus. I'm going my own way. But in the moment they left Jesus to go do their own thing, they already began losing what God had for them. So whoever finds his lower life will lose it the higher life. And whoever loses his lower life on my account will find it, his higher life. You know, I guess as, a, as one who is following the Lord, as we're all in that process of discipleship since we've asked Jesus Christ to come into our life, we're faced constantly with opportunities and choices. In Matthew 19, 20 and 20 through 22, 
you know, it's that story about the rich young ruler and, and his choice to not follow Jesus because he would have to give up his wealth because that's the one thing that Jesus asked from him. But Peter um, asks a question and he goes, what do we get for choosing discipleship? You know, he's watching the, the rich young ruler and he's watching the choice that he made and he's thinking, wait a second, we've already bought in here. We got some time down and we've been following you. Hey, what are we going to get out of it? And so he asked him this in Matthew 19, 27 through 30. Then Peter said to Jesus, we have given up everything and have followed you. Then what will we have? And, you know, it's interesting that Dory talked about, you know, not looking back. And sometimes I think we're caught up in the moments of our discipleship process and we can feel depressed or feel down or feel like we're missing out on something. And I think it's good sometimes to take an account of what we've gained since we followed Jesus. And, you know, maybe if you made a little list, you'd figure out, you know what, this hasn't been so bad. I know my soul can concentrate on what it feels like is going to make me joyful and happy. If I could get this, if I could have that, if this part of my relationship was perfect. You know, all these things that seem to loom up bigger than what do I have now since I decided to follow Jesus. And I think if we stopped and, and started taking a little bit of account, we might get a little bit more joyful, you know, of, of our, our process. Jesus said to them, For sure, I tell you, when all the earth will be new and the Son of Man will sit on his throne in his shining greatness, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones and judge the twelve family groups of the Jewish nation. Now, I think that excludes us. I don't think any of us are going to be on that judging the 12 tribes. So I don't know if that was a a piece of candy for those apostles to be as judges. I don't know. Verse 29 goes on. Everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sister or father or mother or wife or children or lands because of me will get a hundred times more and you will get life that lasts forever. And there's another translation that says that what we give up to follow Jesus, will now some of these things are going to be reaped. And what do we get? We get family relationships. You know, we get restoration of, of, of friends that maybe we haven't had or places of brokenness that we maybe couldn't have friends in the past. You know, I, I knew... Um, I saw, uh, you know, Bruce Gessick's sister-in-law, Laura's sister, you know, when we first started going to Mexico, here she is, she had given up everything to go start the Casa Esperanza, you know, the woman's home in, in uh, Mandadero, and, and we got to go to a prayer meeting, and this lady, she was in the most richest home, and she would have dinner, and, and she was treated like she lived there, and I thought that she, when I, when I, first time I went with her to this thing when we were there, I thought, well, here's an example of someone gaining back for what she's given up. You know, she had relationships with important people. She was treated, you know, like an important person. And she is because she's, you know, she's a, a child of God. She's a missionary. But I think we, again, we have to stop and look at what our value system and to be able to recognize what God is really giving us for what we're giving up. 
Verse 30 says, many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. And this kind of segues into chapter 20, which is really a continuation of this whole thought. In Matthew 21 through 5, Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and, went and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. And part of that is, um, you know, answering Peter's question about what are we going to get? And Jesus was letting him know, you're going to be rewarded for what you give up in going into the vineyard. And I kind of liken Hillside as a vineyard. It's a place that God has called to be a place where people can come, they can experience God's love, they can experience healing, they can experience restoration of relationships, they can get support, ongoing support in this walk of following Jesus. And in this place of the local church, it's a place where we bond together, we continue to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ, we continue to fellowship around the word, and we experience what he has for us. And so this is a, a place like, like a vineyard where I felt like God specifically spoke to our hearts, you know, when we decided to come. And then when we, when we got into this valley, God made it clear in my heart. You know, one of those rare times you, you'd love him to speak clearly, like maybe once every five minutes, you know, in our life. But those key moments when he prophetically speaks so strong to you that you know that you're hearing God and you're on the right path and you're going the right way. And so... You know, this church has been being established and being worked on. And people are coming in. I, I just was tripping this last two weeks. Last week, it's been 14 years now we've been doing church. Last week was the first week I didn't bring out the water, the trough for the baptism. I didn't bring out the riser for the baptism. I didn't help empty the water. I didn't help put the baptism tank away. I didn't put the riser away. I didn't help fill the tank. I didn't help empty the tank. I didn't do anything, and I thought, wow, how things have changed for me in the last 14 years. There are so many people stepping up doing things that I don't have to do them anymore. And I just feel the gratitude of God because I know he's building this house because he wants to reach people. And so we're called here. We were called to Hollister. We, we've learned to do church from our pastors, and, and being in minister's fellowship, there's like we, we call this thing a DNA that we're involved with and, and how, how we're doing church. It's not, like any, it's not like anyone else does a church. There could be similarities. But when God establishes a church in, in a local area, it becomes a place where he does things a certain way through people who have certain ways of doing things. And, you know, you hear us use that word, and, and I'm just hoping that you can learn to understand what that's all about. Um. I wrote this thing, and Dory had wrote something about DNA, but I wrote this. The local church is a place that disciples are taught. It's a place where the becoming a disciple continues. Just as each person has been made unique by God, each local church is called into existence by the will of God through the Holy Spirit. Each local church has its own purpose for which God establishes it. 
Dory wrote this, and those of you who went through our membership last week got this, and those of you who have been members in the past, you, you didn't get this, but I want, I want you to hear this. DNA of a church is a spiritual culture that is distinct in its goals and objectives. Every local church develops its own identity or DNA. It outlines the specific style, values, and vision of this church. What we value dictates decision-making, team building, and allocation of resources. It is imperative that people interested in being part of our ministry understand the DNA and feel called to complement and support this blueprint. My father, when he was in World War II, and he talked about, because he, he was in the Army, and he was attached to the Marines over in the Pacific where he fought. And so every place you, he always was a little bit bugged because every place they talk about the Marines, he said, we're right there getting shot at and, and dying right alongside of those guys. But he talked about some of the ways the Marines were trained versus how the Army was trained. And he talked about this one guy was real, like, real boisterous, you know, in charge and making a lot of noise. And, you know, the Army kind of lay low because they didn't want to get shot by making a lot of extra noise. Well, in the process of, of the service, I guess during the war, there's a lot of people that changed branches. And this one guy came from the Marines and came into the army. And I think I likened it into, into the local church. Maybe some of you are here and you have different church backgrounds and you feel like God's planting you here. So you're feeling in your heart, this is where I, I want to be planted. But with you comes ways of thinking, ways of doing things. And we might irritate or, or affect you. But settle down, kind of try to, try to forget maybe what you know and see how God wants to retrain you or refit you into what God's doing here. And you'll find if you can get that kind of mindset, you can understand the changing. Just like my dad talked about this guy, he had to really change the way he's doing things. We're not going to make a lot of noise. We're going to stay low in our foxholes. We're going to shoot at the enemy, but we're not going to get all big and get shot, you know? And so as they retrain some of those guys, every organization has different ways of doing it. We are doing our best to be a New Testament church. We know we need the Holy Spirit. We know we need God working in our lives. We don't have all the answers. Would we like to have miracles? We'd like to have every day, every time we get together, or every time we get up in the morning, that miracles are constantly happening. Happening, Miracles are happening, but for the way God has called our church and what we're specifically focusing on, God is healing broken lives. God restoring broken people. Have you been broken? Are you willing to put your hand up and say you've been getting healing here? Would anybody say that? Okay, that's our chief mission. Are we not praying for every other kind of miracle? Yes. We're praying for people to be financially blessed. We're praying for people to be physically blessed. We're praying for people to get better jobs. We're praying for people that have ministries that come into the church that have powerful ministries that can bring more of what we want and we know God wants to do here. But it takes time. Again, it takes your heart. You have to have that buy-in in your heart. Like, this is where God planted me and I'm going to grow. And like you've heard me say over the years, you know, I grew up in church. I knew what it was to be planted. And I even think of my days when I was in juvenile hall. I started under Christian community. Our Don Phillips was a chaplain of, of Santa Clara County Jail. We had like a team of about 15 people going in juvenile hall. But as the years trickled d- down, I was the only one left from Christian community that went to juvenile hall. That was where God placed me. That's where God used me. That's where God grew me. And over time, I was so connected there, I got more connected with Mold Ministries as I worked with them, where Dory came out of, where it was more of a parachurch, where they had the vision to reach people, 
they had the vision, but they weren't like a local church. All their focus was, was ministry outreach. And so they met to, to have the strong structure, but then they, they went out into the other places. But a few years after, um, we had gone to Mobile Ministry for a short time, and we knew that God, God, we weren't getting, we weren't really in our right place. We came back to Christian community. I put our roots back down under earnest, and I just kept growing. And I saw how God had to continue the process of making me and develop me as a disciple. Otherwise, I'm thinking, if, what if I had just stayed at Juvenile Hall? There probably would have a time where I would have stopped and not, not even done that anymore. Because God started focusing on other areas he wanted to develop. He wanted to develop me in relationships. He wanted to develop me in my marriage. He wanted to develop me as a, as a father and as a husband. He wanted to develop me in my understanding of the word to be able to help people uh, come into a church. Because we did a Discovering Christian Community class where we uh, kind of explained what church life was about and how make people make a transition from out in the world or, or other church backgrounds and how to have a relationship with God and begin to have a relationship with people and then find their place of ministry, find their place where they could exercise their gifts. And so this, this process is, is big, but it takes a local church. And I, I saw how, wow, if I had just stayed in my little bit of my independence, you know, when everyone left, I'm thinking, I didn't leave them. They all left me. They went to do other things. If I didn't learn that I needed to be really solid in my local church, I don't think I ever would have ended up here in this place. And sometimes we have an idea of ministry and it's so focused on one thing. But God is looking at your whole life. And God wants to continually increase and have a greater influence in us. And so as we were growing as disciples and as we're learning to submit to God, and even I had to learn to submit to different leaders in my life, different pastors over me. And as I interacted with them, I, I learned how to submit. I learned how to, my, how to have my will crossed. I learned to be hurt. I learned like, wow, the way they're doing it, I don't think you should do it that way. But as I submitted my thoughts and learned, I saw how God was tempering me and testing me and making me so I could be a better leader because I didn't know what he was going to do. Now, if I'd have known, I'd maybe uh, drag my feet a little bit more, but that's the way it is. Um, next thing I want to talk about is serve. John 12, 25 through 26, Jesus said, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. And I think of, uh, you know, how we start off this whole thing. God draws us in. Maybe we're caught in addictions or different things in our life that are killing us, and we get saved, and that's a nice change. But it really starts being more meaningful and beneficial when we genuinely feel loved. Loved like no person can love us. And, and we feel content, we feel full at times. And then, as we look at the realistic aspect of being a follower of Jesus and becoming a disciple, we realize a lot of times we do things, and we don't always necessarily feel love, but basically what is to continually grow in us is, is loving Jesus. And so when we love Jesus, you know, we serve him. This is what he says to his disciples. This is... Now, they had been going along for three and a half years. Jesus says this in John 15, 14, and 15. Jesus said to his disciples, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. And I think those are those 
those nugget moments we have as we're serving God, and sometimes it can seem like, oh, just kind of boring, or we could feel like Martha, I'm just serving, 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 working, working, working. But there's genuine moments where God breaks through your service, and he just loves your heart. And you realize, this is why I'm doing what I do, is because Jesus loves me, and I love him. And when you feel those moments when God just supercharges that love into your heart, you go, man, I can keep doing this. That's all it takes for me. A moment where God just loves me when I have a bad attitude, when I'm tired, when I'm weary, when I don't see things changing that I want to change, when I don't see miracles happening that I want, when God just comes and loves me, it assures me, God knows what he's doing. He's doing his job, and all I have to do is keep serving out of love. Becoming a disciple is not something we can do on our own power. And I I think a lot of it, when we talk about taking up our cross, following Jesus, there's a lot of self-involved because we're dealing with our will, we're dealing with feelings, we're dealing with, oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, we're dealing like, what's that going to cost me? Or, oh, what's he going to ask of me? We, We know all those things are rushing around in our head. But we cannot even be a disciple on our own. We cannot just kill ourselves and then go serve God. We need the Holy Spirit. So we need to recognize that power. In Luke 9, 23, Then Jesus said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. The cross I am to pick up daily is a reminder that I cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ in my own strength or willpower alone. I need God power. The power comes from the Holy Spirit who now lives inside of me. Again, you're deciding to pick up your cross or you feel like God's warning you to go a certain direction as a follower. You know, you're going to need God's power to carry it out. You can't do it on your own. It's too much. It's too, the weight is too big. In fact, it, the, the, the call or the cross is going to look too big. But only when we decide to follow will you recognize the Holy Spirit now strengthening you with a will with excitement, with a passion, with a purpose, with, with new ideas. It's almost like the wisdom of God comes alongside and even the vision to fulfill what God is asking becomes a greater experience. First we are, changed, first we are challenged to surrender our life and follow Jesus. Then he equips us and fills us with the Holy Spirit power to do it. Our key verse, 1 Corinthians 2.12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might now, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us. Again, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the realization of the Holy Spirit in us. And part of feeding that is, again, our our personal time with the Lord. We're going to know Him. We're going to understand His will. We're going to recognize the Holy Spirit in us by taking in the Word of God, by letting the truth of God separate us from our natural mind, our natural way of thinking, our habit patterns, the things uh, that we're used to, the things that we've been accustomed to, even the things that we've been trained, maybe even religious training that God wants to break off. It's going to all come out of nurturing our, our relationship with God and receiving what the Holy Spirit is saying to us and recognizing the power of God in our lives. Where is the Holy Spirit? 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. For for surely, you surely know that your body is the temple where the Holy Spirit lives. The Spirit is in you is a gift from God. 
So he's in us. When does it happen? When we ask Jesus Christ to come into our life, when we realize we're a sinner and we admit we're a sinner and we ask Jesus to come into our life and forgive us of our sins that he paid for on the cross, at that very moment, we are born again. Our spirit is made alive and the Holy Spirit comes and lives right now there. But we're in progression and process. And the more you grow in your spiritual maturity and the more you keep taking up your cross and making decisions to follow Jesus, the more you're going to need the power of God. And the more the Holy Spirit turns up his power, his authority, and his presence, and his ability to move through your gifts. And so as you grow spiritually, and as you grow and mature, you're going to need more power. Just like you need a bigger pair of pants when you get big. You know, when you were two years old, you had little short pants. When you get to be six foot six, you need big pants. It's the same thing. The Holy Spirit wants to empower. Sometimes we're always asking for more power. I think it's step into the cross. Step into those places that God has asked you to step into. Why? Maturity happens. The Holy Spirit's going to anoint you. You're going to recognize more of the Holy Spirit. You're going to use more of the Holy Spirit. And the more you use, the more it's going to flow into you. The more it's going to flow out of you. Again, Jesus is an example. God in flesh. He comes to earth. He lives 30 years. And at 33, it's all going to bust loose. Matthew 3, 26. So Jesus was baptized, and as soon as he came up out of the water, the sky opened. He saw the Spirit of God coming down on him like a dove. That was only the start. Then we began to see Jesus exercise the power of the Holy Spirit. We begin to see him transform and bring the power of God into people's lives. We have been like a a person dead. The body of Christ, God wants to keep zapping. He wants to keep resurrecting us. He wants to keep bringing us close together. He wants to amplify his power. He wants to bring us so close that our gifts are being strengthened and sharpened so that we can use our gifts to bring God and his power to a world that's broken, to a world that's now filled with unbelief and doubt, to a world that's full of skeptics. Oh, yeah, is Jesus really that? There's been so many negative things written about Jesus. People have blanketed all the confusion and just kind of put it all away. But they'll be open to see a Jesus that's, that's real. They'll be open to see Christians that are spirit-filled, empowered, bringing life to them. All disciples need the Holy Spirit. Again, three and a half years, disciples had Jesus. They're going through the process. They've matured. They've even used different gifts because Jesus empowered them. But at John 14, 16, and 17, Jesus tells them, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, and he will be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives within you. You're sitting there right now. God of the universe, the God who raised Jesus from the dead, the Lord Jesus Christ is in your heart. He's right there in you. Just consider that for a minute. The resurrector, he's right inside me right now. That should begin to just push back the limits in your thinking about God and how he's in your life and what he's going to do through you. And you will be, and he will be in you. It's time for a little more. John 14, 26, Jesus promised again, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. That's how we're going to be the best disciples. The Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance 
The Holy Spirit will guide us and redirect us when we're starting to go off track or, or, or maybe getting into our head or not having an understanding of what He wants us to understand. The Holy Spirit will speak to us. The Holy Spirit will, will, will reveal God's will to us. In Matthew 10, 19 and 20, Jesus told the disciples, when, and this is the context about their persecution, and you know we're in those places where they haven't planned a sermon. When they arrest you, don't worry about what you say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Holy Spirit of your Father will be speaking through you. You know, sometimes some of you maybe even have a, Really, God wants you to speak up, but you're timid and shy, and you're waiting for this whole sermon to come together, and then you'll give it. No. Step out. Test the Holy Spirit. I have to do it every Sunday. Every Sunday, I have to step out and believe that God's going to turn it on for me, and it doesn't happen until I come up here. Step out. Again, it has to be bigger than you, and that's when the Holy Spirit comes through, when it's beyond your own ability beyond your thinking power, beyond your, your reasoning power, beyond your understanding. Again, I'm reading through Exodus, reading about Moses. Hey, I can't speak. I'm, I'm slow to speak. I, I, I'm all, I speak with a stutter. God's saying, I don't care. I made your tongue. You know, it's like put yourself in those places where you can see the Holy Spirit move through your life. I tell you, when you begin to see the Holy Spirit, you want more of it because there's just, there's just a satisfaction and a fulfillment that comes from seeing and feeling God move through your life that it tops everything. And that's kind of one of those benefits of going through the cross is seeing God use your life. The Holy Spirit planted inside. Again, I'm really hammering this, who's in you? You know, we have a DVR we got a couple years ago. And it talks to the satellite. You can turn on the TV. Unless the DVR and the satellite are talking to each other, there's nothing. When you receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in, and that's your DVR. That's your receiver. And the Father, who's in heaven, who's downloading, and Jesus is at the right hand, they're downloading things to, your, to the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is receiving specific messages for you. He's personal. And so as he's hearing from God, that's why it's so important, again, to renew your mind with the Word, to not look at what you're being bombarded with, to not get anxious about things, but to pray about everything. What is that? It's you and that DVR. You're sending that signal back to the satellite. Okay, this is the program I need. This is what I want. Help me with this. And as you're dialoguing, it's going to come back to you. Just like we can't see what's happening with our signal and our TV and the satellite and the DVR, it's the same thing, our prayer. And the Holy Spirit that we can't see, there's interaction and activity going on. And if you need an angel... God's going to dispatch you an angel. John 16, 13, 14. When he, the Holy Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me, Jesus, that he will receive what he will make known to you. Jesus is getting ready to leave, so he's trying to give him a little little shot, you know? Take a little shot of me before I go. This is uh, John 20. It's one of those moments when the disciples, after the resurrection, they're, they're huddled together. They're kind of talking probably. Wow, what's going on? Ah, Jesus is back from the dead. Yeah, we've seen him. Yeah, I saw him. And they're kind of hovering. And he walks into the, build, into the building. 
John 20, 21, Jesus said to the disciples, Again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and, they, and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Boy, sometimes a good practice. You have to breathe in air. That shows you're alive. That shows that your spirit is in your body. And if you're a Christian, that's where the Holy Spirit's at residence. Maybe as you're breathing, just think, God, I'm breathing you in. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Holy Spirit, just magnify yourself in me. Oh, Lord, blow away my troubled mind, Lord. Take away my troubled thoughts. God, take away my negative thinking. Take away my negative feelings. God, fill me with hope. God, fill me with faith that when I pray my needs, Lord, uh, I'll believe that, that you're hearing me and I'm going to receive. God, lift me to a higher level. That's that interaction. Why? The Holy Spirit is living in you. The Holy Spirit resident in you. If you don't take out anything when you leave today, realize it's not just you and your family or if you're here by yourself, you're walking out. No, Jesus is walking out with you. He's in you. I did a kind of like a, um, would the worship team come up? I just want to read three, four verses, two verses in about Pentecost, Acts 2, 2 through 4, Amplified. And I took out some words to kind of emphasize some key words. Suddenly came a sound from heaven. It filled the whole house. There appeared to them tongues resembling fire and distributed and settled on each one of them. The Holy Spirit wants to distribute into your life. The Holy Spirit wants to settle over your mind, your will, and emotions. The Holy Spirit wants to deposit in you what you need. The Holy Spirit wants you to believe that when you pray, He's going to answer. The Holy Spirit wants you to know that God cares about every one of your needs. The Holy Spirit wants you to know that He wants to bring finances into your life. The Holy Spirit wants you to know that God is your source and the heaven's doors are open. The Holy Spirit wants to come. He wants to settle. He wants to come to us. All were filled diffused throughout their souls. God wants to move through our emotions. God wants to blow away the negativity. God wants to blow away the oppression. God wants to blow away the unbelief. God wants to stir up our will and for us to believe that we have a will and we can use it. It doesn't have to be anesthetized by drugs and alcohol, by different substances. God has given us a will and it's with our will we cooperate. We pick up our cross, we follow Him and we feel and experience the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through our life to be diligent, People who are active in his kingdom, who are active in their life, who are participants in life. Satan wants you to feel overwhelmed and depressed and so discouraged that you have to medicate, that you have to shut down. No, God wants to activate and energize us. The Holy Spirit kept giving them clear and loud expression in appropriate words. 